Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Perhaps in some to some degree, maybe a little bit unorthodox this evening, but I just want to obey what I feel in my heart here. The book of Isaiah 9 and 6, the Bible says, For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom, to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice, from henceforth even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Amen. You may be seated. And uh, I want us to... make an intentional effort to put ourselves back into the ninth chapter of Isaiah. And the reason I underline that is because when you know the rest of the story, it's just real easy to say, well, glory. But if we can just get back to this moment in time for just a moment, I think that we would all agree that this particular utterance, of course, of Isaiah is a passage that we have trusted in and we have held on to this many, many times. Not only uh, has it been preached from and taught from and songs written about and sang, but there have been many times that we ourselves personally have gone right here to this passage of Scripture and we realized that when we, that when we needed a word from the Lord, when we needed some direction, we reminded ourselves from this holy writ that he was a wonderful counselor. Amen. He was the mighty God. And when we have needed peace in our lives, we have turned right here to Isaiah 9 and 6 to say he is the prince of peace. And so I'm going to claim this. And so we have gone here again and again and again, but I, I urge you to go back to this moment in time because I think if, while we agree this is an important passage of Scripture and a foundational passage of Scripture for us all, I also think that if we go back to this moment in time, we would be forced to agree that this was a statement from Isaiah made in absolute faith because Isaiah did not really know what he spoke of. We know, we rejoice in that and look back and we find that to be a hinge point and a foundational stone upon 
which we stand, especially when we begin to read in Matthew and other recordings of the birth of Christ. And we, we know that foretelling of that. But Isaiah said this in absolute faith. And tonight, I want my subject this evening is just simply this. Let me tell you who Jesus is. Let me tell you who Jesus is. Amen. In the truest sense, Isaiah did not know to the fullest extent what he wrote about. And again, I would reiterate, certainly not to the magnitude that you and I understand it today. Of course, that would not just apply to this particular utterance of Isaiah, nor would it just apply to Isaiah himself. But all of the other prophetic utterances that were given in the word of God, they did not know what all of this meant because you have to realize that Isaiah prophesied and he sent some words forth into the future and others began to Jeremiah and Ezekiel and on and on the list goes of others who were just making these utterances. Here was Joel, Joel that was, uh, that was prophesying. Here are just pieces of a puzzle, if you please, or just bits. And none of that would have made sense to any of these men until you would put it all together. Like a puzzle, it wouldn't mean anything at all until you get every piece in its rightful place. The book of 1 Peter, if you'll read along with me here, the Bible says in 1 Peter 10, of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow, unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves, but unto us they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which, the, which things the angels desire to look into. Amen. I'm so thankful that the word of God could be and was entrusted into the heart and the minds of men of God and that they did not just sit on that, but they prophesied, they spoke it before it was. I think often about what Paul commissioned to Timothy when he said, the things that have been committed to you, don't just hide them. Don't just put them in the top of the closet and rejoice in what God has allowed you to have. But he said, you need to commit that same into faithful men. You need to find somebody to put that into and, and, and to, to plant that in their lives. And so I'm thankful for these words. Life in and of itself can be very confusing. And uh, if you've been very many miles down the road called life, I think you would have to agree with that. There are many people that, in life that are puzzled just by the things that are in the world. We're living in a very uncertain time. I don't think anybody would question that. And... Uh, uh, I, I'm thankful that in this hour of uncertainty that I'm, I'm full of the Holy Ghost. I'm thankful for the assurance that I have of my, my peace call and election being sure. I'm thankful to know who Jesus is. But many people are asking themselves, who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? What is, what is this all about? Life to them is almost that proverbial treadmill that just one day... The one day is much, much like the day before, and tomorrow will be much the same way. But I believe that when 
we are perplexed on every side by questions, not only to those who do not know the Lord, but also to us who know the Lord. I think that when we are perplexed with questions on every side, I think what we really need to do is to take one more stroll through this book and remind ourselves that we're not serving a fictitious God. We're not batting the air tonight. We're not just wasting our time or marking time. I'm thankful that I know who Jesus is because it's Jesus that brings purpose to everything. Everything under the sun, including you and I. It's the Lord that brings all of that together. And so until we read the story of Jesus' birth, life, death, and resurrection, we really would have no idea what life is all about if we didn't know anything about the Lord. But once you know him, life is no longer a puzzle. The Greeks, when they came to, when they came to Philip in John 12 and 21, the Greeks said it this way. In the King James Version, we would see Jesus. Or in other words, what they said is we really want to see the Lord. We wish to see him. Amen. Now, uh, what an incredible request. We would see Jesus. We want to see him, to know him. We want to be able to understand him. But if you, that's not an unreasonable request. I think not really at all. But when you contrast that against the likes of many, many of the Old Testament men and women who walk with the Lord, uh, it really stands out, especially if we were just, for instance, to go to Hebrews 11 and just pull one of the heroes of faith out of here and let's talk about him for just a moment. If you contrast what, what the Greeks wanted, we want to see Jesus. We want to be able to touch him, know him, and feel him, so to speak. But Hebrews 11:24 says this about the man we know as Moses. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. Now watch this in verse 27. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. He walked with something towards something that he could not even see. Amen. But he went by faith. Abraham and others listed even here in this same 11th chapter. We are reminded that they walked by faith and not by sight. I read something earlier today that reminded me of an illustration that I had come across many, many years ago. I think it's relevant to what we're talking about this evening, and, and so I want to share this with you. A father <clears throat> wanted to teach his children how to locate geographically all of the states within the United States of America. And so he took a map, and he cut out every state in its, in its original shape and made of it just a, a, a puzzle, so to speak. And so in order to make all of this fit, he wanted his children to place every state where it belonged to teach them where they were and where they were supposed to be. And so he left the pieces of the puzzle with his children and told them to try and find out where all of the pieces fit together. Well, in no time, he came back to the room and to his dismay and surprise, there was the puzzle or the map all complete. 
So he asked them, how were you so quickly able to put all of this back together? And they were glad to let him on their secret. They said, well, on the back of this map, there was a picture of a man. And so we just found his feet, we found his hands, and we found his head, and we found his body. And when we found the man, we could quickly solve the puzzle. So they didn't really find the states as much as they did find the man. The father didn't realize that on the back of that map was a picture of George Washington that had been printed. So instead of putting the states together, all they did was put the man back together. And so when the man became visible, everything was obviously back in its right place. I mean, you're probably already ahead of me, but at times life can be like a puzzle. And we just can't make sense of it all and can't figure out how to get it where it all should belong. It's hard to understand. Oftentimes life presents far more questions than it does answers. Amen. And so I'm, I'm glad to know that when those times of my life begin to fall in on me, I want to turn the puzzle over and I just want to find the man. And if I can find the man, the man will make all of this make sense. Amen. I just want to find out who Jesus is. I, I, I'm so thankful for the privilege of prayer. Amen. I, I, I never will forget the first time I heard someone use that statement and call prayer a privilege, the privilege of prayer. I said, I'm going to make a mental note of that, and I'm going to, didn't want to steal it, but I've just been borrowing it ever since. Amen. I thank you, Lord, for the privilege of prayer that I know what to do when others turn to a bottle or when others turn to whatever to try to find an answer. I'm thankful that I have the privilege. Amen. To privilege, to kneel down and say, God, I'm asking you today to touch me. I'm asking you to touch this situation. Maybe we've just gotten a phone call from a family in the church or, or someone who's faced with just an unbelievable situation. And so I'm thankful instead of falling apart, I'm thankful that we can just find the, the man. If we can just find Jesus and say, Lord, if you'll come into this situation, then when I find out who the Lord is, then all of everything else begins to at least bring peace to me. And so if we can just use this word of God and make a journey here tonight, and that's exactly what we're going to do, we can find out where Jesus fits into all of this. And when we find where Jesus is, everything else in our life will come together. Now, in the event that you may think that I'm just trying to make this seem too elementary, I want you to just consider the words of Jesus I'm going to read one passage of scripture. This is what he had to say. In John 5 and 39, he said, search the scriptures. He said, for in them ye think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. Amen. Now, this was sort of a, sort of a rebuke and sort of an inf informative statement. He said, you're just burying yourself in scriptures because you think in all this verbiage, you think somehow in all this wordiness that you are, you're going to find eternal life. But he said, in that book, in those scriptures that you have in your hand, amen, those are they that testify of me. Amen. They testify of me. Jesus reminded them that what you're holding on or what you're reading is just testifying of me. And so tonight I just want to talk about who Jesus is. Jesus didn't just appear in Matthew. 
Jesus didn't just appear in a manger. He didn't just appear in, uh, in, in, a, in the Christmas story as we may refer to it. Amen. I'm thankful that Isaiah, he saw just a piece of the puzzle. But I'm glad he didn't just say, well, that's, that don't mean anything. But I'm glad that he had the forethought and the foresight to just write it down, to make an utterance. Amen. And because of that, we have what we have tonight. Isaiah said it by faith, but we know it for a truth. He really is wonderful, counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. He truly is Emmanuel, God with us. You can find many pieces of the picture of Jesus Christ throughout the Word of God. Now, I want to just pause here for just a moment. I have found myself saying the same thing now. Tonight will be the third Wednesday night in a row. And I, I'm not just on a hobby horse, I, I hope, but I just want to say this tonight one more time. Uh, what I'm about to share with you, I don't want you to just hear it. We must get this. We must get this. I know I've been saying that again and again. I'm not taking away from our moments of emotion. I don't want to take away our praise or our worship, don't want to tone it down. I don't want to tone down your response to the word of God, the preached word of God by no means. So don't, don't take anything out of context that I'm saying, but I, I just want to underline the importance of not just waving our hand and not just saying amen or not just saying glory to God or preach it, preacher. We need to hear it. We do need to hear it, but we need to get this in our heart. Amen. It is something to shout about. It really is something to shout about. But you know what? More than just shouting about it, I want to know this. I want to know where to turn when the, when the, the lights go out. I want to know where to turn when the fog sets in heavy and low. I want to get this. Amen. This, of course, uh, some of this is not original to me. And uh, I, I want to just make that clear. I don't normally do just a lot of reading from the pulpit, but I want to share some things with you tonight. I want to just begin in the beginning, the book of beginnings. I want us to go back to the writings of Moses, and that's where we're going to start, and we're going to talk about who Jesus is. Amen. I just scared the thunder out of some of you. <laughs> At least I didn't go back to the index. So just hold on, hold on to that. In the book of Genesis... This is what Genesis said. He was the creator in Genesis 1. In Genesis 2, he was the bridegroom. In Genesis 3, he was the seed of the woman. In Genesis 6, he was the ark of Noah. In Genesis 22, he was the sacrificed son. Amen. In Genesis 37, he's the savior. In Genesis 49, he is the king. I'm going to talk about who Jesus is. Jesus didn't just show up as a babe in swaddling clothes. Jesus didn't just show up because a star was reminding someone to walk to where he was. Jesus was here all the while. In Exodus, he was the Passover lamb. He was the tabernacle. In Leviticus, he was the high priest and he was the offering. In Numbers, he was the star of Jacob. In Deuteronomy, he is the prophet like unto Moses. As you search through the, work, the writings of Moses, that's what Moses had to say. But when we move from the first five books of the Old Testament and get out of what Moses had to say 
and we turn our attention now to the books of history, you see even more of him. In Joshua, he was the captain of the Lord's host. In Judges, he was the righteous judge. In the book of Ruth, he was the kinsman redeemer. In First and Second Samuel, he was the deliverer. In First and Second Kings, he was the king of kings. In First and Second Chronicles, he was David's heir. In Ezra, he is the faithful scribe who doesn't just write on stones, but Ezra said that he writes on our heart. In Nehemiah, he is the restorer and the rebuilder. And in Esther, he is the, our intercessor. I'm going to tell you that he didn't just show up. He didn't just show up when the angel announced to Mary that she was with child. He didn't just show up when her midsection started swelling and something started moving. But Jesus was there all along. I want to talk about who Jesus is. What I want to do tonight is I want us to leave here with an assurance that we're not just trying to stand on some beam tonight and hope that we can make it through life, but we can put our hand, we can hook our hand in Genesis and hook our hand in Revelation and walk with a calm assurance that I'm glad that I know who Jesus is. Why don't we clap our hands to the Lord. I thought I had one. When you read the poetic books, it even becomes more clear. In the book of Job, he is our risen redeemer. In Psalms, he is the son of God. In Proverbs, he is our wisdom. In Ecclesiastes, he is our preacher. In the Song of Solomon, he is our lover and he is our bridegroom. Amen, the prophets tell of his birth, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. I'm glad that I know who Jesus is. In Isaiah, Isaiah talks about him as the stricken Messiah and the child born and a son given. He was the judge and not only that, but the suffering Savior. In Jeremiah, Jeremiah 23 and 5 refers to him as our righteous branch. In Lamentations, he was the man of sorrows. In Ezekiel, he is, the, he is God Almighty. In Daniel, he is the stone cut without hands. In, also in the book of Daniel, he was that fourth man in the fire. Did not we throw three? Did not we put three? But lo, I see a fourth man. And that fourth one, that fourth one, he looks like the son of God. Hallelujah. I'm glad I know who Jesus is. I'm glad I know who Jesus is. He is a faithful husband in the book of Hosea. In Joel, I'm gonna make up a word here. Amen, some of you are gonna have to really hold on, but in Joel, he is the outpourer of the spirit. Amen, cause he poured his spirit out. Amen, that's who Jesus was. I'm glad I know who Jesus is. And I will say it just for good measure one more time. That's why we can be assured. We can be calm. We can stand on solid ground and realize that when those in the upper room begin to experience that fire that we know as Pentecost, as it sat down on them as fire, as they begin to speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them utterance, when those in the, in the crowd looked upon and did not understand with, with a confusion in their heart, 
perplexity in their spirit. They said, what is going on? Peter let them understand these are not drunk as you suppose. This is not a party gone wild. This is not just another night out. But this is that. Amen. This is Jesus in the, in the New Testament. That is the Jesus that Joel was talking about in the Old Testament. Amen. The outpouring of his spirit. In Amos, he is the plumb line. He was the plumb line. In Obadiah, he was the promise of deliverance. In Jonah, amen, he was there. He was that one that came back. Amen, he was that resurrection, if you please. Jonah was gone but resurrected. He came home. In Micah, he is the everlasting ruler. In, in the book of Nahum, he is the avenger. In the book of Habakkuk, he is the Lord in his temple. In Zephaniah, he is the Lord. He is the Lord in Israel's midst. In the book of Haggai, he is the desire of all nations. Now hang on, because now we're in the book of Zechariah. And in Zechariah, Zechariah was a man who must have owned a lot of pens. He was a man who must have had access to a lot of parchment because this is what Zechariah had to say, that he was the fountain of cleansing. He was the apostle in chapter two. He was the servant in chapter three in verse eight. He was the branch in verse chapter three and verse eight again. He was the cornerstone in three nine. He was the king's priest in six thirteen. He was the king in humility in nine nine. He was the great shepherd in eleven seven. He was the conqueror in twelve and eight. He was the fountain in thirteen and one. Amen. He was the smitten savior in thirteen and nine. I'm glad that I know who Jesus is. These men were hurling just pieces of the puzzle. They really had no idea of what they were saying outside of what was being moved upon them and impressed upon them by the Spirit of God. Amen. I'm thankful today that we have the knowledge of who Jesus is and we have that. We have the assurance of that today. What we're talking about are stones that have made up the foundation of what we stand on this evening. In the book of Malachi, he was the refiner and the son of righteousness with healing in his wings. Amen. I am not just trying to bore you. I promise you I'm not trying to just bore you with reading. Amen. But I want to make a point with scripture and I want to underline it well. We're not just trying to make it through this with a thin thread of hope. We're not just trying to make it through these, even these times of uncertainty with with a, a stagger to our steps, but I want to talk to the church triumphant. Amen. I know that we may be burdened down and troubled on every side. I know that we may have problems more than we can number or name, but I'm going to tell you this evening that God never intended for an anemic church to be the bride that is raptured out of this house or out of this place. I'm going to tell you that when Jesus comes, the church, he said, is going to be a bride, like a bride that is adorned for her husband. I've I preached a lot of weddings in my time. I've preached a lot of weddings in my time and I'm gonna tell you, there's, I've never gotten over nor do I ever wanna get over the moment that the bride comes in the door. 
I've tried to tell every old thug that I've ever married while we were standing on the platform, you better look now because you're fixing to see a, the most beautiful sight in the entire world. Amen, here is the bride, the bride. There's a reason a bride has that glow. It's not just the dress. It's not just the veil. It's not just the flowers, but there's something about that moment. And I'm gonna tell you that God is not coming back for a church that's gonna be dragging one leg. <laughs> Hallelujah, but it's the church triumphant. I'm glad that I know who Jesus is. The Old Testament clearly points to Jesus Christ through types, shadows, and prophecy. But when we turn to the New Testament, the New Testament begins to describe the history of Jesus on earth. This was after the fulfillment of those prophecies. Now we're living this out. Now we're walking through what these have talked about. In Matthew, he is the lion. In Mark, he is our servant. In Luke, he is the perfect son of man. And in John, he was the word that was made flesh. In the book of Acts that I just referred to a moment ago, he was never, ever, ever doubt. He was those tongues of fire. Amen. <laughs> I'm glad I know who Jesus is. I feel him in this holy house this evening. Amen. I feel him in my heart right now. I felt him today in my office as I began to read over these, these promises just became so relevant and so rich and real in my heart. Amen. I'm thankful. I'm thankful for someone pinning this down. Amen. When we move through the epistles, the epistles, again, I want to state, do not tell us how to get saved. The epistles help tell us how to live for him, how to stay saved. In Romans, he's the Lord of righteousness. In 1 Corinthians, he's the first fruit. In 2 Corinthians, he is our sufficiency. In Galatians, he is our freedom. In Ephesians, he is the head of the church. In Philippians, he is the ascended Lord. In Colossians, he is the fullness of the Godhead bodily. First and second Thessalonians, he is our coming king. In first Timothy, he is our counselor. In second Timothy, he is our teacher. In Titus, he is our pastor. In Philemon, he is our compassionate friend. In Hebrews, he is our great high priest. In James, he is our perfect gift-wrapped gift. Amen. In first Peter, he is the cornerstone. In second Peter, he is the way. In first John, he is love. In second John, he is truth. In third John, he is prosperity. In Jude, he is the coming Lord or the coming judge. And then in Revelation, he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I'm going to tell you tonight that we're not balancing our way through life. <clears throat> when the doctor's shrug their shoulders and don't know what else to say or where else to go. I'm thankful that we don't have to come home and pull a blanket over our head, but we can go to an altar of prayer. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We can open this word and we can pull this word into our heart and say, God, while I do not understand, I'm glad I know who you are. I'm glad I know where to turn. I'm glad I know where my 
source of strength is. I'm glad that I know where my help is going to come. I'm glad I know where to turn. I'm glad I know where to look. I'm thankful to know who Jesus is. But that's not all. The book of John chapter 14 and verse number one. The Bible says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. And when I come, I'm going to receive you unto myself that where I am, there ye may be also. I'm glad today to know that everything that we see in our world right now that gives a mark or a hint or an assurance of instability, this is one thing I know. Whatever happened today is bringing me one step closer to that eternal home. And whether God takes me individually or whether God takes me by way of rapturing the church, we are closer now than we have ever been. I'm glad I know who Jesus is. Amen. This is not the time to let fear move in our spare bedroom. This is not time to let fear move in our mind or fear move into our heart. Amen. Because he said, if I go, and he did go, he said, I'm going to prepare a place for you that where I am, ye may come also. That where I am, there ye may be also. I'm glad today that I know that I am closer today than I have ever been, ever been to the coming of the Lord. I'm going to tell you something this evening. I'm not the oldest one in this house, but I'm not the youngest one in this house. But all of my life, I've heard Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. And if you think these are some words falling from the lips of a bitter old man, you have grossly misunderstood me. All my life I've heard Jesus is coming. I'm going to tell you what I have in my heart today. For those elders that have been telling me for decades that Jesus was coming, those men, I know they would not want to claim to be Isaiah or Jeremiah or Ezekiel. Those men would not want to claim to be in the ranks of Obadiah or Nahum or Zechariah. Those men would not want to have their name used in the same sentence. But I'm going to tell you when men in the 40s and the 50s and the 60s and the 70s were preaching hell so hot that you could smell the smoke and the second coming of the Lord so imminent that you were surprised when you woke up the next morning I'm going to tell you I want to just put my hand over my heart and say thank you when the signs of the times were nowhere near what they are today they preached hell hot and heaven sure hallelujah I'm so thankful Thankful, thankful, thankful because of their preaching, because of their stand, because of the hope that they projected into the world, into the future, into my future, that I am here tonight and I am more certain now than I have ever been. I'm more sure tonight at 53 than I was at 13 or 23 or 33 or 43. Hallelujah. And so when the world starts shaking, we can walk with assurance when everything starts falling apart, don't stay home. Come to the house of God. Why? Because I know who Jesus is. <laughs> hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. When I can't get life to make sense, 
I don't want to throw up my hands because I know too much. I've come too far to look back. Amen. I've got too many miles behind me. I'm going to keep on keeping on. Why? Because I know who Jesus is. I know who Jesus is. Praise God. Praise God. If our musicians would come and you can remain standing or stand if you would like. Praise God. There's an old song. And we're not going to try it tonight, but there's an old song and I just want to read the chorus. The chorus, the name of the song is Let Me Tell You Who Jesus Is. The chorus simply says, Let Me Tell You Who Jesus Is. And in summary... He's the rock of all ages, the Alpha and Omega, the Heavenly Father, the beginning and the end, but much more than this, my friend. He's the Son of Man, and He's coming back again. And so if you understand life, I'm going to go back to the old illustration that I mentioned earlier. Much like these children who were given the task of Connecting all the states within the union. If we can just have the wisdom of a child and turn that page over. And if we can just find the man and put the man back together. Because I'm going to tell you sadly what even happens in the hearts of people that know the Lord. Is that life has a way of fragmenting what you believe. Can I ask you tonight an aunt, a question and ask you to be very honest, not with me, but with yourself? Certainly the very fabric of our faith has been pulled from time to time. Certainly. There have been seasons of our lives when a song was being Sing or in a worship service, we could just throw our head back and we could just sing all about that. And then life can come along and knock the wind out of us along in that certain area of our life. And the next time we hear that song, we're not singing quite as loud because a thread of our faith has been pulled loose. And in all honesty, Jesus can just get fragmented. And if we could say, if Jesus really is the comforter, I'm just reaching for illustrations now. So if I'm hitting you, I'm just, just, I'm innocent. But if Jesus is really the comforter, then why do I feel so lonely? If Jesus is the Prince of Peace, then why do I feel such unrest? If Jesus is my hope, then why do I feel hopeless? If Jesus is my healer, why am I still sick? If Jesus is life, why am I enduring death? If Jesus said, I'll never leave you and never forsake you, then why, why am I alone? The threads of our faith get pulled out of sorts sometimes. And Jesus gets fragmented in our lives. And we can't make sense of the preaching and we can't make sense of the song. And every now and then we need to just sit down and turn it over and put all the man back together 
and say, this is what I know. This is what I know. This is what I know. And I'm going to hold on to what I know. And I'm going to endure some things I don't understand. But I'm going to hold on to some things that I know. So in order to put the man back together, we must first find out about this babe that was born in a manger in Bethlehem. But I beg of you tonight, when you discover that babe in a manger, please don't cradle him in your arms as an infant and try to keep him there. Study his life. Because when you study his life, inevitably you are going to discover his death. Am I right? You're going to read about you're going to read about a trial that was not a trial at all or a court trial I'm referring to. You're going to read about a man who was unjustly treated. You're going to read about another man named Pilate who in all hope against hope, tried to wash his hand in a basin to say, I want nothing to do with this. His own wife had enough sense to say, you need to, you need to bow out. You need to bow out of this. You're going to watch him make his way up Galgotha's hill. You're going to hear about Simon of Cyrene that helped him with the cross. You're going to read about a crown of thorns. You're going to read about a placard over his head that says that he claimed to be the king of kings. You're going, to, you're going to read about Roman guards that pierced his side. And when he was thirsty, they offered him vinegar. You're going to read about that. If you keep reading, you're going to find him and you'll hear him utter these last words. It is finished. But please, don't leave him on that cross. Don't fold your Bible there. Don't close it and put it away. Don't leave him there. When you, t- when you continue to read, you're going to find that they placed his body in a borrowed tomb. But I'm going to one more time say, please don't leave him there. Amen. Because when he rose out of that tomb, there he revealed the purpose of that resurrection. It wasn't to impress those who looked upon. No. Jesus was on a mission. He went away so that the comforter he spoke about in John 14 and 26 could come. And that comforter that Jesus spoke of was his spirit dwelling in us. Amen. One writer said he's not going to be writing on stone or tables, but he's going to be writing on the hearts of men. (laughs) He's coming inside. Amen. So tonight, if you haven't already, I want to admonish you to repent. And be baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of your sins. And then surrender your life to him. And then it's right there that life will begin to make sense. Why? Because you put the pieces of the man together. And when you put the man together, you're going to put your life together. Amen. I want us to gather around and have family prayer tonight. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, 
please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806, or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.